this past week, I have seen a lot of tough things coming down the pike in different people's lives. I had to address the fact that a lot of you are in the wilderness right now. And that's the title of my sermon this morning, is The Wilderness. And in this passage, we see that John the Baptist is uh, portrayed as a voice crying in the wilderness. And uh, the label that was put on him was coined some 700 years before John the Baptist showed up. That's when he was promised to come in the book of Isaiah, the same book that promises so much in the Old Testament about the coming of Jesus and what his coming was going to be like. And so reference to a voice crying in the wilderness was saying, John the Baptist is the fulfillment of that prophecy 700 years before. Now, these people that say, oh, that's Old Testament. We don't live out of that. We don't. It, it all ties together. And you can't really understand the New Testament unless you understand the Old Testament. And if you're starting Bible study or if you've been studying the Bible, I encourage you start at the beginning. Get the foundation in Genesis and uh, come on up and then you'll understand a lot more why we need a Savior why Jesus had to come. And you'll see that in nearly every book in the Bible, it points to the coming of Jesus in the Old Testament and points to his being here and what he did in the new. And so we see John in the wilderness. And it looks, when you look at it, it looks like he actually went out into the the Lord, led him into the wilderness early on. And you know, he ate wild locusts and wild honey is the way that he survived. He was in the wilderness and in the wilderness, you're usually all alone and uh, resources are few and far between. And he lived looking rough in uh, uh, his garb was, was rough because he lived in a rough place. The wilderness is not full of comforts, is it? But he met God. He didn't meet God out there, but God called him out there for a reason. And he was given a message from God to proclaim. And so John began his real relationship with God in the wilderness. And he was shaped in the wilderness And then his voice cries out and people who are living in the cities and living in the villages, living all over that area, they started going into the wilderness and they went into the wilderness because they were looking for something that they were missing. And when they got into the wilderness, they found it. They found it. And so I want to talk to you about being in the wilderness and in the wilderness in the Bible. It, the wilderness shows up all through the Bible, and it's often the background for significant events. When God freed his people from slavery in Egypt, he didn't bring them straight into the promised land, did he? Instead, he took them on a journey 
And that journey was not just any journey, a 40-year journey in the wilderness. And so the a wilderness, you know, is uh, it just doesn't sound pleasant at all, does it? The wilderness, what is it? It's, uh, why, why, and why should we want to spend time there? Well, the wilderness is hard. It's lonely. Its stillness can be deafening. But you see, God had a plan for the people of Israel. And they wandered through the desert. And as they did so, God revealed himself to them more than ever before. We want to avoid the uncomfortable because we think we have legitimate reasons for doing so. When our life hits the desert, a dry or a lonely period, it's very hard to just pull ourselves together sometime. Our hearts and minds can feel weary. They can feel burnt out and everything can seem lifeless or pointless. In most extreme cases, even taking a single step uh, out the door seems to require an extreme amount of effort when you're really in the wilderness. And yet the desert is not presented as a hopeless place in the Bible. God had used the desert and the wilderness to speak to his people. And if you're in the middle of a desert season, if you're in the middle of the wilderness right now, I want you to know you're not actually alone. You may think that you're alone, but you're not. Because the wilderness is where you meet God in ways that you could never meet him in another place. It's important that we notice the wilderness in the Bible. God spoke to Abraham in the wilderness. Remember, he told God, I mean, he told Abraham to get up from where you are and go to a place that I'm going to send you. And he didn't even tell him where it was. You see, there was uncertainty and there's always uncertainty in the wilderness. But he had to leave, as we've seen before, his family, his friends, his 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 town, uh, everything that he was familiar with, he had to just leave it behind and go where God was taking him. And he went out, he knew not where. So Abraham was in the wilderness and God met him there over and over and over again. He brought the Israelites into the wilderness because he wanted to speak to them at Mount Sinai. And this is where he spoke to Moses in the wilderness. God met with Elijah. It was in the desert when God uh, spoke to John the Baptist, as we said earlier. And uh, his life, as we've already mentioned, was under very rough conditions. And he became known as that voice crying in the wilderness. Each of these stories, a lot of others that we're not going to talk about this morning, are filled with miracles. Their seasons in the wilderness weren't wasted, you see. On the contrary, God used these difficult times for something meaningful and powerful. In the wilderness, God was present. Whenever Jacob 
headed out after he had uh, stolen the birthright from uh, uh, Esau. And he spent his first night out in the wilderness. And at that time, people looked on the wilderness as the place where God was not. It was a place of demons. It was a place of wild animals. There's just all sorts of things that were dangerous and you were far from family, friends, and home. You were all alone. And he was even alienated from his brother in the process of this. As Jacob lay there and they said he laid his head on a rock. That's rough, you know. I mean, we go after these memory foam pillows uh, nowadays. And I was just thinking the other day, if you have a, a memory foam mattress, you don't want it to remember the sags and all, do you? You want them to lose their memory and come back up. It's weird how uh, we call it memory foam and we want it to forget every morning if it's in your mattress. It's crazy. But anyway, but uh, so we wound up, he wound up out there in the middle of nowhere with his head on a rock. And he went to, he was so tired and sleepy, he went to sleep with a rock for a pillow. That's in a bad spot. You know, he's out there thinking maybe a bear might get him or whatever, and he falls asleep with his head on a rock. And then all of a sudden, in his dream, he sees a stairway to heaven with angels going up and down. And he says, surely this is the house of God. And he realized he was in the presence of God and angels when he thought that he was all alone. And so we see that even though sometimes we think it's a rough and a scary place, we're never alone because God's in the wilderness and he can have your undivided attention if you'll give it to him in the wilderness. The problem is not to get distracted by or the well the, well, the objective should be not to get distracted by all the tough stuff, but to concentrate on God. So you start to learn what he has for you to learn in the wilderness. I love, you know, my undergraduate degrees in modern languages. I've always considered myself a wordsmith and uh, I've always liked to get to understand and talk with people from all different cultures and walks of life and and words you know, words are mental or, or verbal pictures to convey thoughts to each other. And uh, so that's why I'm anyway, I, I like to look at the Greek. I like to look at the Hebrew to really get at the bottom of what the Lord's trying to convey to us in the original language that things were written in. So many seemingly different words can actually be connected in Hebrew uh, because they have a, a common root. And uh, the word desert has, uh, well, it's, 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 it's called Midbar. M-I-D-B-A-R is desert. Because there are no vowels in Hebrew, uh, the letters that spell it out are M-D-B-R. So that's what you see. But coincidentally, there's another word that uses those same letters, M-D-B-R. And that word is Medabar. And Midbar means desert. 
Guess what metabar means? To speak. And so uh, they go together here. Uh, Jesus came to the midbar, the desert, so that God could metabar, speak to him whenever he went. It was the Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness. Jesus didn't wander into the uh, desert by accident. He went there on purpose because he wanted to hear from God. And this shows us once again how deep the meaning of wilderness is in the Bible. We've mentioned Abraham, Moses, Isaiah, Elijah. None of them were in the wilderness by accident. God wanted to speak with them. And what better place for an important meeting and conversation than uh, the a place where there are no distractions whatsoever. In our culture, we are very used to our comforts. And uh, even as followers of Jesus, we try to avoid the desert. We don't like when life gets hard or barren or lonely. The desert makes us uh, feel isolated. And so we do what we can to stay away from it, don't we? But what if we ask God about his timing? When is the right time to move on? Is he trying to tell us something? The negative approach to the wilderness is challenged even in the Gospels. Jesus with his disciples often chose the wilderness for rest and quality time with each other. That's when Jesus told them about the kingdom of God. In these moments, Jesus was not being pulled in every direction by those who needed his help. And it was in the desert where Jesus was baptized. There, God announced to the whole wide world, this is my beloved son. David, when he was young, spent a lot of time in the wilderness running from King Saul. He was hiding in caves and you could say he was in a very low place in his life. But it was that time in the wilderness that helped him to understand what his relationship with God really was about and where he came to become, become that person that would later be called a man after God's own heart. He experienced closeness and intimacy with the Lord in his wilderness running from Saul. And he wrote dozens of poems and songs pouring out his heart. And he knew God was listening too. Uh, just, uh, I just glanced over at Sharon. And every morning we have uh, three devotionals that we read. Two of them are by a Mrs. Cowan. And Mrs. Cowan was a, Mr. Cowan was a missionary. Mrs. Cowan was his wife. Mr. Cowan had a stroke, a very debilitating stroke. And so she was, uh, uh, for a long time, just there with him, caring for him. She was in a desert, a physical desert, an emotional desert. Uh, she was isolated by just circumstances. And she wrote at least two beautiful uh 
devotionals, devotional books that are filled with some of the deepest thoughts that you could come across and some of the most beautiful poems that most of us wouldn't even uh, uh, know where to look to find them. But in her time in the wilderness came forth beauty to encourage us wherever we are and whatever we're going through. We all face things in our lives that feel like the wilderness and maybe like David, we can't seem to escape from our problems. Like Abraham, we're not sure of where to go or what to do. Maybe like Moses, we feel overwhelmed with our responsibilities. Or like Elijah, we're just simply burnt out. And although in hardship, we want to avoid the discomfort of the desert. It's in fact an invitation to an encounter with a God who wants to speak to us who wants our undivided attention. Uh, Thanks to scripture, we know for a fact that in the desert is where the presence of God is most prevalent. And the main thing that the Lord wanted me to get across to all of you this morning is that uh, whatever desert you're in at this time, he's there with you. No matter how alone or how Uh, just frustrated or whatever, in whatever else way. Just think of all the different kinds of deserts. Uh, There's a physical wilderness. There's a spiritual wilderness where maybe you just feel like you've kind of lost your more and you just are adrift and you don't know where to go. There's a financial wilderness where money's just not making it and yet somehow like manna from heaven, you wind up getting through the month, even after your paycheck ran out. There's uh, all sorts of wildernesses. I remember uh, I was in one, I've shared that with you about the, the plaque in Jacksonville, where I, I went up to the, to the, I just think it felt like God had just totally forgotten me and just set me aside. And I thought that Maybe I I was just being an affront to him by being in the ministry. I just felt like such a failure. And I just went dragging up to the door right after I said, God, have you just forgotten me? Or am I so bad that you just won't even talk to me anymore? And then there was this mailer and I pulled it out and I opened it up. And all that was in there was a plaque. You couldn't tell where it came from, what even the city it was mailed from. And the address was handwritten. And it said, see, I haven't forgotten you. I've carved you in the palms of my hand. If you're feeling like God's forgotten you, he wants to remind you he'll never forget you. He'll never forsake you. And we remember this morning, he's carved you in the palm of his hand. Let me tell you the rest of the story on that. None of you have heard this part of it. I took that. And it just gave me encouragement and it gave me just a new lease to on life to get up and keep going for the Lord. And I went inside and I put that uh, that plaque down and went on about my business while Joel, my son, was dragging home from school. Everything had gone wrong for him. Uh, we were having trouble in the house financially and uh, we're in a, 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 a parsonage that wasn't a good parsonage and just all sorts of things were, 
were wrong. And Joel sensed the tension that was in our household about the things that were going on. And so that was concerning him. And then he just had a bad day at school. He was in high school at the time. And he, uh, he played the baritone. And so he got a ride. Anyway, he was supposed to ride home on the bus that day, I guess. But uh, for some reason, he didn't have a ride home. And he couldn't catch her. No, he was catching rides home with his buddies. He couldn't get a ride home. So he had to walk home lugging his baritone. I really encouraged him to play the piccolo because I knew times like this were going to come. But no, he wanted the baritone, you know. So anyway, he was lugging that home. He made it home and he uh, came in. And on the way home, he had just prayed, God, just give me some. Just let me know when I get home. Just let me see something. Let me let me know somehow that everything's going to be okay. And he walked in and there was that plaque laying face down on the table. And he picked up that plaque and he turned it over and he read, See, I haven't forgotten you. I've carved you in the palms of my hands. So this today is the third time he's using that. He's letting you know he hasn't forgotten you. No matter what your wilderness is like, If it's something going on in your household, if it's something just going on in your heart, be it relational, be it financial, be it uh, just uh, a sense of not being connected, no matter what it is, trouble with your job or whatever, the Lord is with you. And he's been tapping you on the shoulder, trying to get your attention in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.